Take the five daily helpers online course to help you feel and cope better. Protecting yourself against the stresses and strains of daily life can be a challenge. Open Forwards helps you live life to the full by giving you the knowledge, the skills and the support to make yourself calmer, healthier and more confident. Find out how to sign up by moving on up to www.openforwards.com. Open Forwards helps you discover effective self-help, get some solid guidance that has a scientific basis and save time by getting straightforward rundowns on the stuff that works. This is Self-Help SatNav. self-help satnav today we're going to be looking at reinventing your life once again and this is the third episode in this mini series of this great book by jeffrey young and janet klosko if you go back to episode number five when we first started to look at this book we began to look at this area of life traps where you develop patterns in your childhood that then follow you into adulthood and they act as themes for patterns in your life where you get stuck. And then in episode number six, we looked more closely at one of these life traps that comes up for a lot of people, which was the fear of abandonment. And this seemed to be a really popular episode with people, so I wanted to keep going with this series. And today we're going to be looking at another life trap that I see quite a lot in people. And that's the failure life trap. So I see this quite a lot in people. I see it quite a lot in clients that come through my door. And I see it sometimes in myself. And I think it's not just about seeing yourself as a failure, but I think it also includes the fear of failure. So this is a good episode to hope to focus on, and hopefully you'll get a lot out of today's episode. So here's an overview of what we're going to cover. We're going to look at this failure life trap in more detail, look at it more closely, and see that it can take slightly different forms. We're going to explore some questions to help you identify whether the failure life trap affects your life. We're going to look at some core emotional needs around autonomy and independence, which is where the failure life trap is, what it's kind of linked with really. And linked to that as well, we're going to explore some origins of the failure life trap with some suggested examples of where it comes from. We're also going to look at some strategies that reinforce in this entanglement and this belief that you are a failure. And then finally, we're going to look at some suggested, solution, suggested solutions even for tackling fear of failure with an emphasis on confidence building. So if you can look more closely at the book, it's chapter 13, and the authors introduce you to Kathleen and Brian, who are a couple of case examples there. 
And Kathleen talks about feeling depressed. She feels like she's underachieved, especially when it comes to herself and others her age. And so she's often comparing herself uh, to others. And she feels like she's not yet reached her actual level of potential achievement. Brian's example is slightly different. Despite having a good job and kind of seeing elements of success, he feels like he's a bit of an imposter. He worries, he worries that he'll be found out. And uh, he has a, his kind of sense of success is quite fragile. So what's happening here with these two examples? Well, I think both Kathleen and Brian feel inadequate. And this inadequacy has become the story of who they are, how they see themselves. They don't believe they have what it takes deep down to succeed in what they want to do. And really what we're talking about here is the areas of work and education. This is what the failure life trap is all about. It's not so concerned with relationships or day-to-day -day decisions, but really work, status, money, career, and probably sports and schooling as well. And I think this life trap can be quite painful for people. It's as if that the pain of this is always and often very close to the surface. And this reminds me of when we think about what's most important to us as people, like where we want to go, what we want to stand for, which can be one side of a coin. And the other side of that coin is the pain that we often experience when the road, that journey, is fraught with obstacles. And so probably achievement is quite important to both Kathleen and Brian. But it's painful because their thoughts and their feelings are getting in the way of that. So let's look at some failure life trap related questions. Um, you can see these in detail on page 241, but I'll read a few of them out to you. And the idea is that you score yourself on a one to six, how much you believe this description is completely true of you. So being completely unsure describes you perfectly. So some of these descriptions are, I feel I am less competent than other people in areas of achievement. Most people my age are more successful in their work than I am. I was a failure as a student. I feel embarrassed around other people because I did not measure up in terms of my accomplishment and I'm working below my potential. So if you're sitting here listening to this and thinking, yes, these, these statements very much link with how I feel, how I see myself, then probably this failure life trap is something that's having too much of a negative impact on your life. So let's look a little bit at core emotional needs and this idea of autonomy. And autonomy is about that we all have a need to be able to develop, to learn and to grow. And it's been shown to correlate with health and well-being. And if you're not going forwards in your life, 
your mind tells you that you aren't really going anywhere and that you're probably going backwards. And you start to naturally imagine things getting worse. For example, depression comes in. You start to feel more hopeless and probably start to beat down on yourself in some ways. And linked very closely with this are the origins of this. It's kind of the origins are about when this emotional need isn't met in some way, that you aren't given enough autonomy or helped to grow and be independent sufficiently. So one such origin might be that you had a very critical parent who basically would call you negative names, call you stupid, call you useless a lot, basically undermining your confidence and your abilities to do things. Another origin might be that your parents were very successful. So successful, in fact, that their achievements seemed so out of reach. So out of reach that you gave up trying as a youngster because it felt like you were never going to measure up. Another origin might be that your parents were very competitive with you. And so it didn't really seem like they cared about what you accomplished. And this idea makes me think about fast show dad. There's always thrashing his kids at different sports. And uh, always, you know, been very important to him just to be the winner. It kind of seems funny when you look at it in that context. But if you really kind of grew up in this situation, then pretty unpleasant. Another origin is that you've always felt kind of inferior in terms of your abilities with others at school. Like you just couldn't perform as well. Maybe you were often in the lower sets for your different subjects at GCSE level. Similar to this might be that you had a brother or sister that seemed brighter than you, was treated as more capable and as more intelligent as you. So they were often held in the limelight and you felt like you're always in their shadow maybe it that your failure life tramp comes from the fact that you moved somewhere very different maybe moved to another country and had to grow up around other kids who had been there the whole time so it's always like you're always playing catch up because of the uh, the differences. Maybe English wasn't your first language if you moved to the UK. Another origin might be that you didn't have boundaries growing up with your learning and with your homework. Uh, maybe you're allowed to just kind of do what you want. So if some of these kind of resonate with you, if this kind of seems familiar in terms of what your background was like, then... What you're doing here is start to kind of nail down what some of these origins for the failure life trap in your life may have been. Okay, so I want to move on now to look at something called experiential avoidance, which isn't covered so much in the book explicitly, but it's a subject area that is important because experiential avoidance now has been come to be shown as something that shows up in a variety of different forms of emotional suffering. And it's to do with this idea that many people use escape or avoidance 
to push away fears of failing or being criticized. And these are really powerful because by not taking steps outside your comfort zone, you cut yourself off from experiencing development. And so the negative things associated with that is that you don't get to learn and you don't get to experience challenges in your life. So you're never really kind of moving forwards, overcoming things, learning that you can, building confidence in your abilities. There's a great quote here by Joshua J. Marine that I like, which is that challenges are what make life interesting. Overcoming them is what make life meaningful. So this links back to the idea of that your pain and your meaning are opposite sides of a coin. Achievement being one thing and the pain of feeling like a failure being the other thing. So avoidance can be really obvious or it can be quite subtle as well. So you might be avoiding your fears of failure or feeling like a failure by staying in a comfortable job that doesn't challenge you. You might deliberately put stuff off by doing other things that are easier to do. Escapist type things like watching telly or obsessing about something, looking on the internet a lot. Uh, box set binging would be a good example of this. Um, basically any form of distraction that just kind of is a short-lived getaway from that thing that seems more challenging to accomplish. Another form of avoidance might be that you turn down offers to step up things, to take on more responsibility in your work. Maybe you make excuses as to why you can't, you haven't got enough time, or there are too many other things happening in your life. It's not to say that these things might not be true, but it's about whether you're giving these reasons because you feel like a failure or not, or that you would never be able to succeed. Another form of avoidance might be changing jobs a lot in a way where you kind of move sideways in what you're doing instead of kind of getting more proficient necessarily in one thing. So these are all types of avoidance or escape coping strategies for this particular life trap. And they're probably more common when it comes to this area. Other ways though that might fall under this idea of fighting against this life trap, pretending it wasn't true, or compensating. It might be that you choose a job that you're very unlikely to succeed in because of the level of competition within it. Maybe things like acting, or sports, or music. And I, I, I'm not sitting here saying that doing those things isn't useful, isn't... Um, because there may be other reasons that you're doing those things. It might not be important to you to be at the top of that, but you do it for other reasons, the enjoyment of it, the pleasure of it, the taking part in it. But there might be other reasons why you're in those jobs, because maybe it's about a fear of failure. So it's just about noticing the context of what's going on. Maybe you've chosen successful partners in relationships, and so you end up living vicariously through their successes. Or maybe you invest more time in other attributes. For example, maybe the way that you look. Are you spending uh, 
a vast amount of time focused on and invested in the way that you look as a compensation for a fear of failing. Or maybe you invest in other ways, maybe being very charming to people and flirtatious. Sometimes men can be quite uh, promiscuous um, because you get the chance to feel successful at being a womanizer. Um, maybe some women are doing this as well, but I'm just kind of thinking at men at this particular point in time. Okay, and some other type surrender-like strategies. This is where you kind of feel like you just can't really do anything about it. It's almost like you give in to this life trap, this idea that you are a failure. So if using this strategy, you'd be fixating on the thoughts that tell you are no good. You might try to stop them, but you can't. So you dwell on them and it can become quite like a self-loathing response. And maybe you minimize your abilities quite a lot. You minimize your successes and exaggerate your failures, weaknesses and mistakes. So the problem with these three types of strategies is that they don't reframe the way you see yourself. Instead, they lead to more and more ways in which it seems that this idea is true, that you are a failure. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you can't undo these frames. Once they're there, they're there. You can't unlearn what you've learned. Um, and this is kind of why lots of positive related thinking things kind of don't really work, while there's not a lot of data around them. And I know that some people use these in as a way of kind of building confidence, repeating I am positive statements to yourself, positive visualizations. But this is really a type of compensatory strategy. It might have some positive short-term effect, but it tends not to last long uh, going forwards because we have this bi-directional learning about the way our brains behave, which is that, let's say you're struggling with sadness, maybe you try to think happy. But if you say the word happy, quite quickly is what follows is the word sad. And so the same thing happens with positive affirmations. When you say things like, I am a confident person, I am a successful person, quite quickly what follows is, yeah, but do you remember that time that you weren't? Yeah, but you're not really, are you? So really we're kind of looking at other strategies here that are going to be more useful. And some of these are outlined in the book. Step one in the suggested solution is to assess whether your view of your failure is accurate or distorted. So this is more like, are you more like Kathleen or are you more like Brian? So Kathleen's view has a truth to it in some way. She has underachieved because she's held herself back. But she's probably capable of quite a lot more. And the distorted version might be more like Brian, is that he has achieved quite a lot, but he, he has this constant fixation that he's an imposter that he hasn't done very well. So find out... See if you can identify which category you're in. Step two is connect with the feelings more. So this is about being more open and giving space to the sadness. 
or the fear or the shame perhaps that go with these thoughts of feeling like a failure. And it's useful to connect these present everyday experiences with childhood memories. Looking at examples of how to do this in the book and in therapy or through more careful guided interventions kind of might be needed here. This might be a bit tricky to do on your own and uh, maybe you need the support of somebody else, a professional. But it's a useful step to be able to do. And you probably notice the tone of my voice here. I'm kind of slowing down to allow these feelings to come to the surface a bit more. This is quite useful to come away from this experiential avoidant response that doesn't allow you to kind of move forwards. It's always about trying to fix the way that you think and feel. Okay. Step three is see how you've been treated unfairly in the past. Maybe this was about your parents not giving you enough or criticising you too much. And it might have being about their own agendas. Maybe wanting you to achieve well. Maybe one of your parents felt like a failure as well and they were really pushy of you because they really wanted you to succeed. So they were trying to succeed through you. Step four is about identifying your strengths and your abilities which can often get overlooked. So try to name them. Maybe ask others who know you. Explain that you have a hard time of validating your own strengths and abilities and that really you want their help really because you struggle to see how other people actually see you. Or if you've had this feedback recently, try and make some notes on what it is that was actually said to you. Step five is use some mindful awareness to observe your patterns. So notice the day-to-day urges that you have when this fear of failure or this belief that you are a failure shows up. For example, are you using distraction quite a bit? Are you not finishing things, putting things off? And try to make a list so you're getting more aware of what these patterns are, noticing them. And once you're more aware and able to notice them, then you're better able to resist them. Step six is try to resist these urges to self-sabotage. And instead, set yourself goals and develop action plans that will support your value of achievement. So if you're wanting to be more successful, to push yourself, to apply yourself, to accomplish more, what are some of the goals that are going to take you in that direction? What are some of the small steps that you'll need to take in order to get there? And try and make that a daily practice. It needs to be the one thing that you're going to focus on if that's the most important thing to you at this particular point in time. Okay, step seven, which my interpretation is about building compassion, kindness, wisdom. And it's talking about flashcards. And so I think sometimes people use flashcards to kind of bring on different feelings. But uh, my take on things is that it works much better when you use flashcards to help you do different things. And so 
a, ca a flashcard that builds in kindness and wisdom that focuses on helping you do rather than really boosting your self-esteem temporarily. Something along the lines of, although I have the thought that I am a failure, there are many strengths that I have, like being able to schedule my time, being able to support my boss at work. And although it can be quite scary to push myself and ask for more responsibility. I know that this is really something that I want more of in my life. So I'm going to go and see my boss tomorrow and say that I'd like to play more of an active role in this project that's coming up. So that's an example of one flashcard. There might be many others. Um, that you would use. It's about getting clearer about what you think is going to be useful and those previous steps will help you get to something that's going to work better for you. And step eight in the book is about getting support from other people. So this is something that really helps with resilience is when we've got people to lean on, people to confide in, not just so we can express that to them, but also so we can get that support and encouragement back. Um, and so it bonds us to people, it boosts us, it taps into our health and well-being, and we feel more securely attached to people. And also you make yourself more accountable as well to seeing through these actions that you're putting on your flashcards. Is that when you tell somebody else about it, you're much more likely to kind of see it through. Um, it can even go as far as asking the other person to ask you at a certain time, did you follow that up? Did you see that through? Just want to sort of check in with you to see how you got on. Um, often my clients say to me, that the good, one of the good things about having appointments is that I know I've got to come back and see you and report whether I've been putting into practice these skills and these strategies that we've been working on within sessions. So there's a regularity to these things that can help. Okay, so we've done a like 25-minute exploration there of the failure life trap, looking at what failure kind of looks like, why it's so common, where its origins are, that really it's about not having developed sufficient autonomy and independence, um, and looking at some of the things that keep you stuck, like avoidance, overcompensating, surrendering to it where you just beat down on yourself and then looking at these strategies that help you build confidence so hopefully you found this episode really useful we're going to be continuing this mini series where we look at some other life traps that tend to come up if you are liking this series so far please leave some comments share and go over to itunes and leave me a rating and um, we'll be back once again, for another episode of Self-Help Satnav. Bye for now.